As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers to preserve those for posterity and sometimes for historical value. So if you think this project is something that you'd like to be involved in and maybe you have a grandparent or a parent that you'd like to capture on audio while you can, please do get in touch. You can find out more at onrecordmemories.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the latest episode in the On Farm Helps mini-series. We are today speaking to uh, Jim Hume, who uh, many of you will have heard of. He is a former farmer, or still a farmer, from the borders, but now very much involved in uh, mental health work uh, throughout Scotland. And so we're talking to him today about his work and how uh, he is benefiting um, the, the rural population of Scotland. It started off uh, hill farming down in the Scottish borders, Chivit Hill Sheep. Uh, sons are still doing that. Um, got involved, I suppose, in a lot of local work with, with communities. Uh, local National Farmers Union, where we met, um, ended up being the, the Lothian and Borders uh, regional chair. And uh, when I was vice chair, foot and mouth hit our area and very much my community. So quite appropriate to talk about another virus that has hit us now of course but in 2001 foot and mouth hit so we set up a bit of a helpline there so during lambing time 19 years ago was lambing sheep talking to uh, local decision makers vet officers presidents the nfu and and, uh, people who were very distraught Um, so after a few years um, someone encouraged me to stand for the scottish parliament for south scotland Got elected somehow, somehow or another straight away uh, and kept the Rural Brief, Rural Affairs Committee right throughout my nine years uh, there. And my last five years was also a health spokesperson and set up the first mental health summit at the Scottish Parliament and really championed on mental health. So bizarrely kind of known in the mental health world and in the rural world. Could you perhaps start by telling me a little bit about the sort of day in the life of Jim Hume before COVID-19 was something we'd even heard of? Yes, uh, yeah, well, to be honest, we're kind of business, but not as usual. So previously, there was a lot of um, engagement. We have 160 membership organisations. Some of those are mental health expert organisations. Some of them are government department bodies. Um, There's no two days the same, to be honest. But a lot of the organisations are organisations that don't have expertise in mental health and well-being, but realise it's an issue, want to do something, but really not too sure about what they can do. So we help with that, help them writing newsletters, we help them with some of their conferences, events, arrange speakers for them, actually go to their events and conferences if we can ourselves. We have quite a big outreach now, so to about half of rural Scotland, as I said, about half a million people. Because we're quite keyed in with research, so this is all the high, high brow sort of stuff, but it's important. And we feed into government departments as well. So we sit on, uh, we're part of the government's mental health strategy until 2027, where we have rural right through that due to our research with SRUC. We're one of the 40 action points to further develop the National Rural Mental Health Forum. We also um, 
feed into Social Security directly on new powers coming to Scotland where people can get support from Social Security. They realised quite early on that mental health and rural were what they call seldom heard groups. So uh, they came straight to us, of course, so we're part of what they do. We're also in the Suicide Prevention Action Plan um, on crisis support. It's not easy to obviously have a crisis centre in every single valley and uh, village in, in Scotland. So we're looking into how this big network that the forum is, to how that they can support people um, in their own, within their own communities. So it's quite varied. There's no two days the same. Sometimes it's engaging with people. Sometimes it's presenting. Sometimes it's helping with research. Um, and sometimes it's helping individuals that come to us and we can direct them to, to support if, if, if they need that. Gosh, as you say, yeah, very varied and, and no two days are the same unpredictable as well and I guess that's what we're in at the moment is a situation that was to most of us unpredictable. How have you found, aside from the physical practicality of of being in lockdown, how have you found your job and the requirements or the calls put upon you different since uh, coronavirus struck? Sure, so so there's various various levels at it. Uh, The charity itself, who supports 1,500 people every week, they're not an emergency service. So the locations have had to close down. There's many locations from Goldsby in the north down to Stranraer. Um, so they've actually closed down, but the people we support still need to be supported. So that's been done with online ways, with um, people phoning. And to be honest, people are looking for more support. So someone that maybe came once a week was to one of our places are now looking to be supported three or four times a week because isolation is not good for anybody's mental health or well-being so that is quite clear and then enforced isolation is obviously quite different we have the next meeting of the national rural mental health forum on the 5th of may a hundred people have registered for that already we normally have 70 people come along to ingleston thanks to the royal highland show society regarding the charity itself we have a management team who manage services from Highland region, Dumfries region, Tayside area, uh, Lothian's area, etc. Uh, and they're, they're about 12. We would normally meet sort of once a month or so. We're meeting every morning at nine o'clock. Are you noticing a, a change at all in the, the requirement and in the needs that people have for different types of help? Yes, uh, yeah. so, so mental health and well-being, it's a very broad subject. So it's everything from somebody, and this is not belying it, but somebody getting a few sleepless nights and a little bit stressed, and it, the key thing is to intervene and help that person at the earliest stage, to people who really absolutely need day-to-day support, people who are, who are more or less who, who we, uh, the charity cares for. These people can have psychosis or schizophrenia, bipolar, uh, many, many very challenging uh, diseases. So mental health, we all talk about it as it's one thing, but it is such a varied uh, sort of thing as well. So there's different things for different people. There's that very much one-to-one support for some. There's other things like encouraging mental health training, just raising awareness of mental health through a few articles in some magazines and newsletters, not our ones, but ones from our members. So you may be interested in, a, say, forestry or farming, obviously, and you pick up one of their magazines, you'll be exposed to a little article when you're reading about uh, livestock or, or arable yields or prices or whatever, and you'll maybe be exposed to some mental health uh, issues there and that way of normalizing talking about mental health so some of it's very low-key under the radar sort of stuff uh, where um, some of it is really setting up services and support for people in very uh, desperate times of need 
Absolutely. And and you touched on earlier on um attitudes to to mental health and the way that people address it are are noticeably different in rural areas. Yeah, so so the research that we did back in end of 2016 into 2017 was to look at what it is like experiencing poor mental health in rural Scotland. And that was the first time that research had been done. And uh, what was very clear that uh, people want to be looked after in communities, but there is still stigma, even though a lot more enlightened people are more happy to talk about it. There still is a stigma uh, and it's an extra barrier to uh, look for help in rural areas because people know people. So you probably know the GP or you probably know the person that, that, uh, that, that supports you down at the A&E or etc., which is less likely in urban areas. We're not saying it's worse or poorer mental health in urban or rural, it's just different. And that's that was the main sort of reason. But what is good and the positive thing about rural areas are that communities can be, not always, but can be very supportive. And we've seen a great evidence of people wanting to support people at the earliest stage possible, which is the best thing to do, of course, with their poor mental health to, top, to stop it uh, deteriorate. And that can be just by... Just having a chat with somebody can be enough, an early enough stage. It doesn't always have to mean uh, any particular services or experts coming in. That's why we're very keen for people to be mental health trained. So that gives them confidence to approach people, the knowledge uh, about how to support them, not to judge them, not to uh, try and jump to a solution straight away, never to say, of course, you're okay because... Look at you, you've got a beautiful family and a great job, that doesn't matter. Poor mental health can happen to anybody and and we're we're all vulnerable to that. And um, so it gives you the confidence also to know how to connect people. I don't don't like using the word signpost because that means you're kind of pushing them away somewhere, but connect people to uh, support if they need that uh, uh, further support. It's really about making everyone's business to help with mental health and well-being. I think it is, is important, as you say, to, to for people to understand what's available to them and how they can access help. Many of our listeners will be will have heard our episode about RSABI and will be very familiar with RSABI. Now, you work very closely with them, don't you? Yeah, RSABI came along to our very first meeting at the end of 2016, before the forum was actually set. Nina Clancy came along to that. They were very keen to be involved. They found that they were finding people coming to them that had... Uh, poor mental health they've been involved from from the very beginning and we've we've helped them in various ways uh, in the past and continue to do so yes indeed indeed and i i, I know that they're very grateful as well it's it's a two-way relationship and that's very important for both sides and i should say the, the scottish government have been very supportive as, as well so they've they've supported our work uh, thus far uh, from both the scottish government directorates of uh, rural but also of mental health so uh, two directorates that often don't speak together or sit together. And that's the key with the, the forum is really of those 160 membership organisations, some are steeped in mental health and well-being and know that inside out and upside down. And others are just coming to us thinking, and we had this quite recently, a company that employs 700 people in very remote areas in the sort of um, northwest of Scotland. They said, we don't have a mental health and well-being strategy. We don't know quite how to start. I'm not going to say who, but um, it's great that they've come along and they're, uh, they'll be looking, we'll be looking to help them develop a strategy to ensure that the well-being of their staff in these remote areas is, is looked after. And there's a, quite a history. I'll not go through all the, 
companies and what we've all done with them all individually, but there's a history of, of helping several organisations who employ a lot of people and are, are trusted within their, their communities because a business is a community as well. So, of course, you know, so uh, um, that's the, that's our, our approach to ensure that everybody's making it their business to tackle mental health. And actually, that that's a very import, important point and perhaps something I didn't fully appreciate until just now is that you're not just helping people who feel as though they're suffering from mental health issues, but you're helping businesses so that they can support and look after their teams and their employees and their, their, their the people in their small and their wider communities. So, so actually, that's always relevant, but it's particularly relevant now because businesses are having to deliver bad news to people or uh, you know deal with unprecedented times and they need to to be able to 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 know that they can support their their staff now and into the future absolutely it's hugely important i mean i for me it's about the human value of people so it's a, it's about making people's better life uh, better lives making sure that they don't go down that downward spiral of getting poorer mental health saving lives to be honest uh, that's really important but it's some people you have to talk about economy. So there was a good report that was done about three years ago. It was a UK-wide report that, to quote from that, up to £98 billion every year is lost to the UK economy due to poor mental health. Up to 300,000 people every year lose their jobs due to their poor mental health in the UK. So it's in businesses' interest, and they know that. Businesses know that. It's in their interest to have a healthy... Uh, good well-being uh, workforce to um, to do the best because there's direct correlations with poor mental health and poor income generation also which we found um, which might not be any surprise but um, people in our research were about earning about fifty percent more if they if they were they had good well-being rather than poor well-being. So it's absolutely in everybody's interest, isn't it, to 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 have some kind of structure in place that supports people who, who are, are going through challenging times and challenging, challenging mental health issues. Absolutely, yeah, yeah absolutely. And uh, we talk about animal welfare. We, we, have, we work with some of the vet services and the vet organisations, British Veterinary Association, RCVS as well. And uh, we all hear of horror stories and terrible stories of perhaps a farm with animal cruelty. But if you look at most of those, and we think 99% plus, if there is animal cruelty, it's probably due to the most important animal, the human, uh, probably just suffering from poor mental health or experiencing poor mental health at that time and unable to cope, uh, cope I should say. So very much, um, it, it's all interlinked. And I, I know NFU Mutual have done some work uh, where they, they're convinced that you know quite a large proportion of accidents on farms are due to the person's poor mental health at that time. Poor mental health can lead to poor physical health and vice versa, of course. So... Uh, it's all linked in absolutely fundamental to for individuals to be able to seek help when they need it and for businesses to understand how to support the the people who work for them absolutely we want to catch people before and help people before they get into a really bad situation so and uh, i think if everybody's out there looking out for individuals and have that knowledge and confidence to do something about it then then we can all all help with that agenda Definitely. So you've led me on very nicely, Jim, uh, I think, to, I suppose, the final question for now. As I say, in the future, I think we should probably delve a bit deeper into this issue. But for now, we're doing bite-sized, helpful episodes. Um, If there's a business owner out there who's thinking, 
oh gosh, I don't, I don't have any kind of strategy in place. And obviously, you know, we're, we're in unprecedented times now, but even for future proofing their business, they, they, they might need help. Or if there's somebody out there who's, who's thinking, you know, I've been struggling for some time or I've just been struggling more recently, what do they do? How do they go about getting in touch and seeking that help? Well, I'm a very, very happy, Anna, for you to share my uh, contact details, my email, um, especially. So do get them to get in touch. We can direct them to whatever help that needs, because I'd say this is a very broad subject. We have, as I said, about 160 organizations that are members of that forum. We think that about 90 plus of them can help different communities in different ways. So um, um, not always mental health, but they can help perhaps with financial help. They can help with financial advice. They can help with marketing, all sorts of things that may be bothering people or, or, or concerning people at any time. So very happy for people to get involved, very happy for businesses or other organizations, communities to uh, get in touch to see how they can help with that agenda. Lots of people are doing stuff out there, which is great, um, but um, we have expertise in within the uh, membership of the, the forum and we have a willingness for everybody to get involved. So yeah, very keen to hear from people. Great. Well, thank you very much. Those who are already familiar with RSABI may feel comfortable going through them. Um, but when we promote this episode of the podcast, if you don't mind, we'll share your email address within the posts. And then people have got the, those contact details if they'd like to get in touch with you directly, if that's okay. Absolutely keen. And obviously, somebody from the agricultural industries who may benefit from help from RSABI, we would, of course, point them in that direction. So yeah, that's all good. And uh, happy to hear from people. Well, we're enormously grateful to Jim for taking the time out of his really busy schedule to to give us some information about his work with support in Mind Scotland and also with the National um, Rural Mental Health Forum. If you think you need to talk to somebody and haven't yet sought help, um, as Jim said, he is really happy to hear from you. And in fact, really keen uh, to do what he can to help. So you can email him on jhume at supportinmindscotland.org.uk. And you can get in touch also on Twitter, which is at rural underscore wellbeing. So please do get in touch with Jim, either if you're a business uh, who needs some help or an individual who's suffering from mental health issues and needs somebody to talk to. Please do get in touch with us if we can help or if you've got any ideas for future episodes. It's at on underscore farm UK. So we hope to hear from you. And thanks again for listening.